In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the fifth Sunday of the Great Lent. And today the Gospel was from John chapter 5. It's about the, the story of the Lord's healing of the paralytic man. And as I was thinking about the life of this man, I couldn't help but think of all the things that were frustrating him. There's so many things. I thought, I thought of five things that were frustrating this man. And I think it's a good lesson for us on how to get over some of the frustrations that we face in our daily lives. The first thing that would have been very frustrating to this paralytic man is that he was paralyzed for 38 years. 38 years. That's a long time to be in misery. And even the gospel says, when Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had already been in that condition a long time. And sometimes God allows us to be in undesirable conditions, certain undesirable conditions for a long time. For example, God allowed his people the Israelites, to be enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. That's a long time. Some people, they were born in slavery and they died in slavery. And from the gospel of today, it doesn't seem like the Lord healed everyone by the pool. There were others who were sick by the pool, but the gospel only records that the Lord healed this man. And I think that the important lesson is that all of us want God to fix like our problems. We want Him to fix our problems. We want to come to church. We want the angel to stir the water. We want to jump in. And we want all our problems to vanish and to go away. And while this is possible, we should never lose hope. We should never lose hope. We should always be... Persistent. We should always be persistent. And I think this gospel is giving us a great lesson in patience. In patience. This gospel is giving us a lesson in endurance. Endurance. So don't be frustrated that God hasn't healed you immediately. You might be praying for something for a while. You might be struggling with something for a while and not yet received an answer. Be patient. Wait for the Lord. The Gospel of Vespers last night was about the persistent widow. The persistent widow. And the purpose of the parable of the persistent widow is to teach us, as it says in the Gospel, it says that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. That men should pray and not lose heart. That was the first sentence in the parable. The last sentence in the parable says... And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him? Like God hears your prayers. Though he bears long with them. He bears long with us. I tell you he will avenge them speedily. He will avenge them speedily. One of my favorite psalms in the matins of, uh, of the first hour of the Agbeya is Psalm 26. Psalm 26. I love the last part of this psalm. It says, I believe, I believe, into Tulumaya, 
I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be of good cheer, let your heart be strengthened, and wait for the Lord. And wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord, be of good cheer, let your heart be strengthened, and wait for the Lord. The paralyzed man endured 38 years of paralysis. How many years have you endured? Conquer frustration, this frustration, with patience and persistence. Another source of frustration for the paralyzed man could have been the Lord's question. Do you want to be made well? I mean, the Lord asked such an obvious question. But judging from the response of this paralyzed man, He was not annoyed at the question and he answered the Lord's question very respectfully. If someone asked me that, I'd say, what what do you think? And I'm sitting here for 38 years and you don't see that I'm like, and I would have just, what are you going to do to help me? Kind of thing, you know, with my initial, you know, and get very upset. And I think this teaches us a very important lesson to have a good Attitude, to have a good attitude. Last week we saw a good attitude from the Samaritan woman. She said, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan, what do we have to do? But Yanni, she could have just said, don't talk to me, I'm done with you, I don't want to see any, and close the conversation immediately. Having a good attitude is the key to healing. And this teaches us to be like this, this paralytic man. Some people... They come to church with good attitudes, ready to pray, ready to repent, ready to hear the word of God. And some people, they come to church with bad attitudes. I can't believe I have to wake up. And they won't benefit as much. You won't benefit as much if your attitude is poor. Because a bad attitude brings destruction. Bad attitude brings destruction, but good attitude brings healing. And the devil loves it when we have a bad attitude. Why does he love it when we have a bad attitude? Because a bad attitude closes the door on things very quickly. It closes the door very quickly. Bad attitude is a source of conflict. And the devil loves conflict. He loves conflict. And so one trick that the devil is always using against us so frequently is oftentimes and I I have a confession to make too, this is my, that we have the worst attitudes with the people we are supposed to be the closest to. So, we have the worst attitudes with the people we are supposed to be closest to. Kids, they have bad attitudes with their parents. My parents are here, so forgive me. And parents have bad attitudes with their kids. And spouses, they have bad attitudes with their spouses, Ya Rabbi. So oftentimes, if you think about it, we end up treating strangers better than we treat our loved ones. We end up treating the strangers with more respect, with more kindness, with more than we treat our loved ones. The, my call today is that we should speak to our loved ones with at least the same respect that we treat the strangers. And if you want to be Christian, you can treat your loved ones with love. You can treat your loved ones with love. Because a good attitude, that is healing. 
It brings healing. It brings healing. The paralytic man had a lot to be frustrated about, but his respectful and decent attitude opened a way for him to be healed. Another source of frustration to the paralytic man must have been so lonely. So lonely. And you know there's another paralytic man in the gospel. And this paralytic man, he was carried by his friends. And his friends actually were the ones who brought him to the Lord Christ. So his friends, they brought him. But this poor paralytic man, he has no one. He has no one. And sometimes I feel utterly alone in my problems. I feel like there is no one to help. No one understands what I'm going through. And unfortunately, like fortunately, that's not true. That's not true. We have a church. We have a church. Into a part of a church? We have a church. We are supposed to be community. We are supposed to be body of Christ. So no one in this church should feel alone. And if someone feels alone in this church, this is a failure of the church. It's a failure. It's my failure first and foremost. It's our failure as a church. It's our failure as a church. I'm responsible, into responsible as well. Because we should have fellowship with one another. Because the church isn't just, I come take communion and I go, and I do that, and I come and take communion and I go. I, hate, I don't like this, Hollis. This is not the church. This is not the church. And when I read the book of Acts, And I see how the early church, they did everything together. They lived together. They ate together. They shared everything together in common. I see, wow, Fallon, they were not alone. But the way we live, we live all alone. I have my, uh, you, Aishana, and I live here, and you have this. And we separate everything when I see this is not the church. This is not the church. The church lives together. Everything does, we do everything together. <laughs> I was visiting some kids the other day, like a family, and there was young kids. And I went down to, to the basement. It was so quiet. I was wondering why it was so quiet. I found all the kids just sitting distant from each other, just playing on their phones. This is the society we've become. That we're <laughs> together, but we'd rather be Alone and by ourselves. This is not the way to live. It's not the way to live. This, there's no fellowship in just being... And many people are so excited and everybody's just sitting there on their phone constantly, just by themselves. This is not life. This is, this is sadness. We need fellowship. We need community. But God forbid, even if we are forgotten by people... Even if we are forgotten, maybe there, there is a few cracks and people fall through the cracks, unfortunately. The good news is that God never forgets anyone. And this man, he fell through the cracks. And there was no one who cared for him, but there was someone who cared for him. And that was Jesus. Jesus cares for us all. He is the good shepherd that goes after every lost sheep. And He will never forget us. And another part of Psalm 26, I wish you, another part of Psalm 26 that I really love. It says, be a helper to me and do not forsake me. 
And do not overlook me, O God my Savior, for my mother, sorry, my father and my mother, they have forsaken me. Even my father and my mother, they forgot about me. But the Lord has accepted me unto himself. The Lord has accepted me unto himself. Let us conquer loneliness through fellowship in the church. And if for whatever reason we are still neglected, then we should trust that the Lord will not neglect us. Another source of frustration for this paralytic man must have been so frustrating that the cure is right there. It's like, a few feet in front of me and I am right here and I like it's right it's just I can see it and it's right there but I can't get into the pool I can't get it I'm paralyzed I'm stuck and I feel that many times we know the solution to our problems it's right in front of us But for some reason, I just can't, I just can't get in the pool. I just can't get there. You know, we all know we need to live better. We know we need to be more patient and be more persistent. We know that we need to have a better attitude. Parents, you know you need to treat your kids better. Kids, you know you need to treat your your parents better. You know you need to treat your spouses better. But I have this knowledge, I have it, it's here, it's in the brain, but I can't do it. I'm stuck. I feel paralyzed. I feel like I can't move. And St. Paul, he describes this dilemma so nice in Romans 7. He says, for even though the desire to do good is in me, The desire to do good is in me. I am not able to do it. I can't do it. And I do the good that I don't want to do. I Sorry, I don't do, it's a tongue twister. I don't do the good that I want to do. I don't do the good that I want to do. Instead, I do the evil that I do not want to do. And then St. Paul comes to the conclusion, he says, Man, what a wretched man that I am. What a wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Who will deliver me from this paralysis that I'm in? He says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's why I love this gospel. The gospel of today is about the Lord giving movement. To someone who had no movement for 38 years. For 38 years. And not only did he give him movement. He commanded this paralytic man to. Rise. Take up his bed. And walk. And I feel. That the Lord said this. To show that I, not only do I, I'm going to move you a little bit, like I can, you can move your fingers and you can move your legs. No, now you can carry. Now you have the strength to carry the arms and the legs that were emaciated from years of paralysis. These are the arms and legs that now could carry a bed and walk. And I just like, Yanni, I just got back from a retreat this morning and one of the things that I loved about the retreat that I was at is that the organizers of the retreat 
the organizers of the retreat, the people who were carrying the service in the church, 10 to 12 years ago, those people were paralyzed. Yani, those were people not like... Like, uh, when I was there, I never saw, saw them. They were, and they were the ones running everything. And I said, wow, look how God gave them grace. The ones who don't carry, the ones who don't do anything, the ones who sit sitting, you know, just watching. They are the ones, the paralyzed, they're the ones that carried everything in this retreat. And Haggah made me so happy to see how the Lord gives grace to, to everyone. He gives strength to those who are weak. The solution can be right in front of us, but we need God's grace in our life. We need God's grace to get into the pool. We need God's grace to get in the pool. Lastly, I think the most frustrating thing for this paralytic man was the fact that he witnessed so many people being healed right in front of him. And sometimes we see that God is working in the life of everyone else except me. And we hear miracles are happening in the church, and those miracles are great. Pope Crowley did a lot of great miracles, but he did them to others. He did them to other people. How that helped me? What about me, God? Why don't you act in my life? We see others may be successful. We see them married. We see them smart. We see them whatever. And we look at our life. We say, where is God's blessing in my life? Why are the miracles happening to everyone else except me? And this feeling is so dangerous. So dangerous. Because... This assumes that everyone is on the same timeline. And everyone is like, is, you know, like everyone will get married at 25. And everybody, no, some people get married later. Some people get married on year. Who knows? Everybody, some people go to this and, they, and they get, they're successful in their work in the first. Everyone is different. But we think that everyone has to be on the same timeline. And this is very bad. This is very frustrating to see. And then another thing is, is that we we make spirituality a competition, like it's a competition. And so now I'm competing with my brother. How come God did this for you? And we look at his tally sheet. We say, Oh, God didn't do this for me. And so we make spirituality like a contest. And then we become jealous of other people. You know who became jealous of someone else? Cain. Cain. Cain complained like because he thought he was losing a competition with his with his brother. He thought he was losing a competition with his brother. But Cain, there is no competition and this jealousy led him to kill his brother. Cain he complained in his heart, "God, why do you like Abel so much?" But did God love Abel more than Cain? No. Actually, the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? Why are you so upset? Why are you so jealous? If you do well, will you not be accepted? 
And if you do not well, do well, said sin lies at the door. Jealousy is waiting at the door for you. And its desire is for you that, that it should rule over you. I believe the wicked devil, he sparks jealousy to fuel hatred. He sparks jealousy to fuel hatred. And jealousy leads to hatred. And hatred is the opposite of, of love. Hatred is the opposite of God. So the solution to this frustration is to stop comparing ourselves with one another. We are not in a spiritual competition against another. We are at a war with the devil. All of us, we're running together. We are running a race together. Together. Not against one another. We're trying to take each other to the finish line. Not like knock people down. And No, we're going together to the finish line. We should celebrate the way God relates like to other people. And when we see God doing wonders in another person's life, this should bring us joy and happiness, not jealousy and, and, and sadness. I pray today that we can conquer our frustrations from these valuable lessons from the paralytic. We learn from the paralytic that to be patient, to be persistent, to have a good attitude, to seek the fellowship in the church, to rely on the grace of God and not our own power, and that we shouldn't be in competition with one another. And glory be to God forever. Amen.